Good morning. Before, before I get into it, we're going to um, have, a, have a prayer. A special, a special need has come to my attention, and I just want to take a second uh, for us to pray. And our sister, uh, Brittany, who is actually Brianna and Pierre's <laughs> physical sister, uh, she had moved off to, to Maryland sometime uh, back, but she was coming down uh, this weekend to visit with us. And her husband, Livingston, uh, came with us along, along with their child, Cree. And apparently Livingston had some problems. Um, he was coughing up blood and had to go into the emergency room. Um, so we wanted to take a minute and uh, pray, for, uh, pray for Livingston and, and Cree and for Brittany. Um, Heavenly Father, we, uh, we're so thankful, God, for your love and your mercy. And Father, this time we want to lift, lift up Livingston to you right now. And just pray that you be with uh, the doctors at the hospital um, and just work powerfully to um, figure out what's going on with him as well as heal him. Um, be with, with our sister Brittany. Uh, be with Cree, their little boy. Um, just comfort them and, and give them hope and joy at this time. Um, Father, ultimately, we, we just pray for, for Livingston, God, that, to, um, you, know, that, that you will uh, use this time, use this moment, Father, as an opportunity uh, for us to really reach out and to love them. Um, and God, we're just uh, thankful uh, for your grace and your mercy. And, and Father, I am humbled. Uh, I am, uh, you know, just uh, encouraged uh, to be able to, to be before the church today and for this opportunity uh, to preach and to share. And God, I just ask that you remove me and just speak. Speak your word, speak your truth. Not what I think, but God, what is true and what is eternal. Um, that is your word. And I thank you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. My name is Rob. And I'm very honored to be able to share with you this morning. Drew and Jenny are off in Greece. Wow. They're off following in the footsteps of the Apostle Paul. How exciting. So they're doing some great things over there, learning a lot and having a great time. But we're going to be back here. And we're going to continue on in our study through communal transformation. The idea of, as a church, how we can be transformed together. And to do this, we've been looking through the scripture in Acts, chapter 2, where it really lays out the characteristics of the first century church. And today, we're going to be looking at a specific aspect that comes from Acts, chapter 2, verse 46. And if I could read it, there we go, where it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And so today we're going to be looking at hospitality. Nice. All right, who doesn't love hospitality? I love it. Right, do you love hospitality? I love it. Ben loves hospitality. We all love hospitality, right? Hospitality is a great thing. But what I want to look at this morning is what, is what does hospitality really mean from a biblical perspective? Okay. Or, more important, or more importantly, from a God-centered perspective. So the title of my lesson today is God-Centered Hospitality. So welcome. I hope everyone felt welcome this morning. Thank you, Wuju and Kayla. 
for welcoming us to church today. Thank you for the welcoming committee in the back, providing coffee and snacks and giving us hugs as we come into the building, right? That makes you feel welcomed. That is hospitality. That is what we need to be about. We need to be about. But, you know, it's being, hospi- being hospital is nice, right? And it's a good thing, and it might make us a really good person. And you might think, wow, that person is so hospitable. He's so good. But if we don't approach hospitality from a biblical or a God-centered perspective or focus, it really isn't nothing. And if we don't know why it is we need to be hospitable, you know, we're not able to really see and use hospitality for the way God really wants us to to use it. So what does it mean? What does it mean to have a God-centered hospitality? Well, today we're going to look at two points. I got two points this morning from the scriptures on what it means to have a God-centered hospitality. Thank you. Point number one. Here we go. Maybe? No? Yes. Well, can you read that? The point number one is the call to hospitality. So if you go, if you look in the New Testament, New Testament and if you study hospitality, you will find that there are three passages, three passages in the New Testament where we as disciples of Jesus Christ are commanded to practice hospitality or to be hospitable. The three passages are one's in Romans 12, one is in Hebrews 13, and the other one is in 1 Peter chapter 4. So this morning we're going to look at two of those passages, okay? The third passage, 1 Peter 4, Bobby, our brother, is going to be talking on this coming midweek. All right? But the point... That's right. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. But the point here is that we see from the scriptures that, is that hospitality isn't an optional thing. Wow. It's a command from God. God desires for us to be hospitable. In Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9, and this is Paul writing here to the church in Romans, he writes, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. It's a powerful scripture. So many incredible things that they're talking about in there. Be fervent in spirit. Don't be slothful in zeal. But at the end, he says, make sure that you're ready to contribute to the needs of the saints. And be sure that you are ready to seek hospitality. Actually, in the NIV, it says to practice hospitality. And the literal meaning of that is to actually pursue, to pursue hospitality. You know, it's it's as if you were pursuing an enemy in battle. 
right? Or you're pursuing, like, we have some campus students out here. Yes. What are you hoping to achieve through going to college? A degree. You are pursuing a degree, right? You are pursuing something. And do you, how do you go about that? Do you skip classes? I got I to keep the campus awake today. I know they're, they may be a little bit tired. Do we skip classes? Do we just show up every now and then? Just show up for the test? Maybe some of us? No, we have to pursue it. You know, brothers, if we have an interest in another sister, do we just like, just like sit back and hope that, you know, we'll bump into each other someday and these things will happen? No, you have to pursue it. You have to go after it. You know, I remember when I first met Tiffany and I was like, man, I like, I like Tiffany. Man, I wonder if she likes me. And I was like, wow, she, she might actually like me. This is incredible. Man, I need to go after this. I need to pursue this. You know what I mean? When our relationship with God, we have to pursue it. We have to go after it. You know, that is what, it, what, it, what it's about. It's implying this continuous action. It's something that's happening every day. It's something that's going on all the time. It's not like a one and done thing. Like, okay, I had someone over. I was hospitable. And then six months go by. They're like, oh, maybe I'll have someone over again. No, it's something we're constantly pursuing. We're constantly seeking to add to our lives. We need to pursue. We need to seek. We need to practice hospitality. It should be a constant attitude of our heart. So how, we got to ask ourselves the question, how can I be hospitable today? Wake up in the morning. Do you wake up and you ask yourself, okay, today, how can I be hospitable? How can I do that? Because I need to pursue it. I need to practice it. You know, when we don't practice, what happens? We don't grow, right? We don't grow. We don't change. We, don't, we, we, we falter. Let's look, look over at the second passage. It's over in Hebrews chapter 13. All right. You can't read the small letters, but I did highlight what I wanted you to, what, what I wanted you to, to pay attention to right there. But in Hebrews chapter 13, we see another command here. Verse 1, it reads, Let brotherly love continue. It's amazing how both these passages both emphasize love and affection towards our brothers and sisters. That's, I think that's, that's, pretty, that's a pretty good point right there. But then he says in verse 2, Do not neglect to show hospitalities to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. First thing, I think that is amazing, right? If you really think about that, that idea about entertaining angels unaware, I'm not going to say much more about that. But if you think about it, that, that is, I mean, that's incredible. You know, we don't know what's, it means that this is not just a physical thing we're doing here. This is, this is a spiritual act that, that we are doing when we're hospitable. So we don't know what's going on in the spiritual realms, when we have someone into our homes, when we invite someone over for lunch or dinner, we don't know what's going on, what's happening. I don't know what that means about the angels. But I do know it's spiritual. And there's more to to it than meets the eyes. But what I want to focus on here is this idea of do not neglect to show hospitality. One thing that tells me is that hospitality is something that we can neglect. Actually, it's something that 
are natural, we're naturally inclined to neglect hospitality. If left to my, uh, speak for myself here, if left to myself, there would be no hospitality. It would just be me going home and me spending time at my house by myself. It is something that it's natural to, to neglect. Everybody know about gravity here? You guys know what gravity is? You know, it's that force. It's that force, right? It's, you know, those two massive objects. It's the, the forces that keeps them apart and pulls them together. It's what keeps us here grounded on earth, right? And, it, and it's constantly pulling us, pulling us with such force to the center of the earth, right? Now think about that gravity and think of what it takes to overcome that gravity. To think how much power, how much thrust needs to go into a rocket ship in order to break free from the Earth's gravity and to launch us into outer space. It's an incredible amount of energy, an incredible amount of power. But that's physical gravity, right? But I think all of us have a psychological gravity within us. A gravity that inside of us that pulls inward. That wants us not to focus outward on others, but wants us to focus inward on ourselves. And if we don't fight that gravity, if we don't fight that, that push inside of us, we'll just shrivel up. But we're meant to use force, we're meant to use power to overcome that, that gravity. We, do, we cannot neglect hospitality. It requires energy, it requires enormous amounts of strength and sacrifice. But I also want to point out that to distinguish this, the idea of we need to be hospitable versus doing hospitality. Do you understand? You see the, yeah. the distinguish, distinguish there? We need to be. It needs to be part of who we are. It needs to be part of our being. Hospitality. We can't just do hospitality because it's easy, easy to just set it up. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be hospital. I'll have some people over shore and check the box off. But is, do we love it? Yeah. Do we enjoy it? Do we thrive to have others into our homes? We need to become hospitality. So why? So this is all great. We're commanded. God wants us to be hospitable, right? We see it clearly in the scriptures. Bobby will elaborate it more on Friday in First Peter. But why do we need to be hospitable? Why does God even care about hospitality. What is our motivation? Right? Because if we don't answer those questions, we're just, we're just doing something blindly. But there is a real reason. There is a real motivation that God wants us to be hospitable. And I believe the answer to it lies directly into the heart of who God is. And really is the true heart of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. That brings us to point number two. The grace of hospitality. So we're going to look at two passages here from both the Old and the New Testament that I think are going to shed some light onto the answers to those previous questions. If you could turn, please, to Leviticus 19. But I want to ask a question. Does anybody know what that Greek word is up there? What's that? It's the Greek word for hospitality. Our educated, uh, UVA-educated Bobby Pearson right there. Got, got that one. Yes, that is the Greek word. That is the word that is used in both those passages that I read. 
The word is philoxenia. Everyone knows what philo is, right? It's where we get Philadelphia. Love. Brotherly love, yeah. Philo is love. Xenia, Xenia actually means stranger. And so what hospitality really literally means... Oh man, you can't even, can't even read that, sorry. It means the love of strangers, or more specifically, a friend of strangers. So this word stranger is actually pretty important, right? The idea of showing love to strangers is, is crucial uh, to understanding what, what hospitality is all about. But over in Leviticus 19, philo xenia. Man, I should have bookmarked these, huh? You got it. Actually, you know what? I think I just put it up here. Yes. So this concept of stranger is, is very important. We'll see why here in the Old Testament. But we're in Leviticus 19. We're right in the middle of the book of the law. And God's laying out the law for the, for the Israelites, his chosen pe- people. And he has this idea of a stranger, which is, in our day and age, is a pretty scary concept, right? Because what are we taught as a young child? Stranger danger. Yes, don't talk to strangers. Keep away from strangers. But biblically, the idea of strangers is is something really different. In Leviticus 19, verse 33, God is commanding here, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, that means he just comes to stay and hang out and to live and to visit, right? You shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So here, God is commanding the Israelites to treat the stranger as a native. And you shall love him as yourself. You shall do him no wrong. And why should they do this? Why does God tell them they should do this? He says it right there. Because they were strangers in Egypt. They were slaves. But is that enough motivation? Does he stop there? He said, you were strangers. He said, okay, I was a stranger. Is that the only reason why I should show hospitality? No. What does he say? Why? Because I am the Lord your God. And when those Israelites heard that statement, they would know exactly what he was talking about. Because if you look in the Ten Commandments, at the beginning of the Ten Commandments, in Exodus 20 and verse 2, it begins, the Ten Commandments begin with, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. They would know this. They would hear that I am the Lord your God. And they'd say, yes, you brought us out of Egypt. You delivered us from slavery. You are the Lord God. They They would hear that statement. If you look, if you actually read Leviticus 19, that statement, I am the Lord your God, is in there 12 times. 12 times because we need to constantly be reminded of God and who he is 
You know, hospitality is at the very heart of God's nature, of who he is, of his personality, of his being. I am the Lord your God. I am. You know, remember, God's saying this. He's like, look, remember, you were strangers, but are no longer. You were slaves, but are no longer. Because I, the Lord your God, delivered you. I saved you. I brought you out of the house of bondage and delivered you to my home. Even though you grumbled all the way. Even though you were disobedient many times. Even though you resisted at every chance that you could. I continued to lead you and deliver you to the promised land. I am the Lord your God. God was practicing hospitality. And why? Why did God do it? Why did he put up with so much? Why did he continue to show this hospitality to his people who honestly probably didn't deserve it at all? Let's look at Psalm 106. You don't need to turn there. I'll just read it right here. Psalm Psalm 106. That's not Psalm 100, it's Psalm 106. Verses 6 through 8. Both we and our fathers have sinned. We have committed inequity, we have done wickedness. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea, at the Red Sea. Yet he saved him for his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. You know, he says that he saved them. He delivered them. Why? For his name's sake. It was for God's glory so that the people would look and they would see his wonderful act, his wonderful grace, and they would praise him and they would honor him and they would give him glory. This was God's act of grace to the Israelites. And we got to remember, when we got hospitality is an act of grace. You know, there's a quote from John Piper. It says, grace is the hospitality of God to welcome sinners, not because of their goodness, but because of his glory. Let me say that again. Grace is the hospitality of God to welcome sinners, not because of their goodness, but because of his glory. Man, that is awesome. That is amazing. But what about us? You know, I'm not an Israelite. I'm not. Just a Gentile. So what about me? Where, do, where, is, where does the New Testament fit in here? Well, we'll look. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's see if we can see a similar theme or similar structure of this hospitality in the New Testament. And I think, and I, I think we're, we, we'll be able to see that. In Ephesians chapter 2. Amen. Thank you. Moms, keep reading here. In Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 13. This is again Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. 
says, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, that's me, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you are at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Does this sound familiar? We were strangers. We were slaves. We were separated from Christ. We were alienated from God. But does it stop there? No, it doesn't stop there. God does something amazing. God does something so amazing. Look in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, therefore killing the hostility. It's now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We are reconciled to God through the cross. The cross is the ultimate act of hospitality. And what was the result? What was the result of that? It says, And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we have both access and one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We are no longer strangers and aliens but fellow citizens and members of the household of God. How amazing, how wonderful is that? Through Jesus Christ, we have found a home in God. God has opened up wide his arms. He's opened up wide his heart and has invited us in and has fed us and has clothed us and has given us rest and he's given us comfort. You know, we too, just like the Israelites, we were brought out of the land of Egypt. I don't know about you. I don't know where you came from. I don't know what your past was. But I was at one point in time without hope, without God in my life. At one time, I was alienated. I was a stranger without God's love in my life. And God called me. And God brought me near. And he opened up wide his arms. And he brought me into his kingdom, which I am forever, forever grateful To him for that. Because I was enslaved. I was a part of the house of bondage. And why? Why does God send Jesus Christ for us? For me? Why? 
You know, in Ephesians 1 verse 5, it says, In love, in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. To the praise of his glorious grace. It's for his glory. The same reason why he brought the Israelites out of Egypt. For the sake of his name. So that those in this world would see the amazing thing that God did and would praise him. For his glory, this is our motivation. This is why we need to practice hospitality. You know, God has opened up wide the doors to his home. And has welcomed all of us completely. And therefore, we too should do the same to others. And when we do so, we become conduits of God's grace to this world. That God is able to channel his love and grace through us to others. When we sit down, when we bring someone into our home, and we have dinner together, and we break bread, and we open up the scriptures, we share, we talk... We allow them to spend the night. It's a grace. And God's grace is being shown. And as it said in Hebrews, it's something spiritual, something beyond what we can see is happening because we don't know who that person is, who we are entertaining. You know, this is all done through the simple act of hospitality. Hospitality is not rocket science. We know what it means to be hospitable. And that is God-centered hospitality. You know, this morning, if you are not a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you have not made Jesus Lord of your life, if you have not given up everything to follow Jesus, I'm here to tell you that God is waiting with his arms wide open. And he has a home for you in his kingdom. And that he wants you to come in. And I guarantee you that there's someone in this room right now who will take you to their house, who will feed you, And that will sit down with you and share God's grace with you. Don't leave today without accepting that hospitality. You know, so what what do we do? You know, what is our response to this grace? You know, what do we need to do as disciples of Jesus? Simple. It's easy. Go and be hospitable. That's it. Simple. Invite someone into your home. A coworker, a neighbor, a friend, someone sitting next to you right now. Just invite someone. Have someone into your house. And you know what? Do it this week. But then again, do it the following week. Invite someone different. Someone new. But be hospitable. And it doesn't have to be anything super elaborate. I think sometimes we, we, we get overwhelmed with this idea of I need to be hospitable. I need to have people in my home. You haven't seen my house and what it takes to get it ready for people to come in. I can, I can feel it. I feel the ladies. They're, they're, you know what I mean? But it doesn't have to be that. You know what I mean? It could be ramen noodles in paper plates. Seriously. I am a firm believer that no one should do dishes on Sunday. 
Nobody should be doing dishes on Sunday. Paper plates. You know what I mean? Brown paper bag it. But have someone over. You don't have to break out to China. It doesn't have to be crazy elaborate. You don't have to have a plan. What am I going to do? What am I going to say? Just get together. Talk. You know what I mean? Allow God to work. Allow the Spirit to move. Go and be hospitable. That's the challenge. Do it as you see fit. Whatever that means to you. Because we have to remember, hospitality isn't an option. We are called by God to pursue and not neglect it with all of our hearts. And when we do, and when we do, and we, we look at the motivation, we look at why God wants us to be hospitable. And when we have those people at our house and we practice the hospitality, you know, we're not just being a nice person. We are not just doing some act that we could check off of a box. But we are sharing the grace of God with this world and we are glorifying his name. Wow. We are glorifying his name. So let's be this way in the Blue Ridge Church of Christ. Yeah. Thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so, so grateful and so honored uh, to be a part of your kingdom. Yeah. And God, when I think of the hospitality you've shown to me and you've shown to my family, I am overwhelmed with gratitude. Father, and I think of the hospitality you have shown to me and my family through this church in the Blue Ridge, through this, this band of disciples. Father, I am so humbled and honored and so grateful to be a part, to be here, and to serve side by side with this church yeah. and as a part of this church. And it is your church, God. This is your kingdom. And I pray, Father, that we will be hospitable, that we will be known as a church of hospitality. Yeah. And Father, when people come through these doors, that they will be welcomed yeah. with open arms. That those who are part of this church will feel welcomed. And God, that they will feel loved and a part of something so amazing yeah. and so great. And Father, we do it. We do it, Father, because of you. Because of your amazing grace, your amazing love. And ultimately, Father, so that you will be praised and you will be honored and you will be glorified. We do all for your glory, Father. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, Amen. Amen. Let's give our Rob another round of applause.